Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the debut episode of Philly's Finest Podcast, your home for everything and anything Philly sports. I'm your host, sports writer and creator of Twitter's newest sports page, Philadelphia's Finest Sports News, Ryan D. So without further ado, let's get right into it. All right, so with the draft less than one month away and the NBA Finals right around the corner, today we're going to talk some Sixers basketball and two things mainly. One, can the Sixers sign LeBron James to a max contract at the end of this season if he decides to leave Cleveland? And two, is this offseason a make-or-break offseason for Brian Colangelo as the Sixers executive? And we'll start with that. Um... First and foremost, I just want everybody to know that I've never really been a big Brian Colangelo guy when they brought him here. Um, His track record in the NBA, he's a pretty successful, um, he's been pretty successful, I guess you could say, but he pretty much builds teams that are in the top half of their conference every year make the playoffs, you know, win a round or two, highly competitive teams, but they've never been able to take that next step, never been able to win a championship. And some of the moves that Brian has made leading up to this offseason would, to be quite honest, they make me me a little nervous. Um, We can go back and... Let's go back to February 23rd of 2017, all right? One of his first bigger moves um, since he's been here. And that was trading Nerlens Noel to the Dallas Mavericks for Justin Anderson, Andrew Bogut, a 2017 second-round draft pick, and a 2020 second-round draft pick. So if you grade that trade just by looking at it, I don't think that was really a good move on his end. We basically traded Nerlens Noel, who is one of the better defenders in the NBA. Um, they didn't think he was worth the paycheck he was going to demand, or whatever else it is. But you know, if you think about him standing next to Joel Embiid, playing with Robert Covington, Ben Simmons, the defense and the length that that this team has already, he would have been a nice part of it, I think. You know, but again, if they didn't want to pay him and everything else, I understand that. So they move him. All right. They get Justin Anderson, Bogut, and two second-round picks back. Andrew Bogut was cut from this team right after that trade, so he doesn't even factor into the equation. So you basically trade Nerlens for Justin Anderson. Justin Anderson is a situational role player off the bench who got lost in the rotation towards the end of the year, and especially in the playoffs. He played a handful of games for a couple minutes at a time. You know, does he have potential? Maybe. Um, but he doesn't look like anything more than a guy that's going to come off the bench here and there and, you know, really not do that much. So you basically gave Nerlens away for nothing. You know, that was his first main move that he's made since he's been here. Then we fast forward a little bit to June 19th of 2017. The Sixers trade... The number they trade with the Celtics to move up and draft Markel Fultz. And 
in hindsight now, especially after what just happened this past season with him, and let me just be clear about something. I have never in my life, in 25 years of watching the NBA, have I ever seen anything unfold like what happened with Markel this past year. I, I really don't even... I don't even know how to explain it. Never seen anything like it. Um, the shot form, the freak shoulder injury, the it, the notion that he's mentally was ready to play way before he stepped on the court, but he just wasn't. You know, he wasn't ready mentally and whatever. I I had enough with all of that. You know, he got on the floor. He showed some flashes. Looks like he could still be a pretty good player. Um, but you passed on Jason Tatum. And for those of you who haven't watched the playoffs this year at all, Jason Tatum has pretty much made it clear that he is going to be an all-star very soon in this league. The kid is a stud, hands down. And everybody knew going into that draft that Jason Tatum, for sure, was going to be a knockdown shooter, a great shooter. Other areas of his game, sure, maybe they would, you know, his defense might not be as great as you'd like. Um, size, I guess, a little bit people were concerned about that he was a little Yankee, you know, lanky. He had to grow into his NBA body, whatever. He was exactly what this team needed. The sure guy that you knew could shoot the ball. That was exactly one of the weaknesses this team had. And no. They didn't take him. They thought so highly of Markel, and the jury's still out on this. You know, again, we still have we the the future's yet to be determined on Markel Fultz. He could be better than Jason Tatum. He could have a better career. He could prove everybody right. When they, you know, a lot of people said he was the best player available in this past draft, but as of right now, as of what we just watched. It looks like the Sixers made a horrible mistake trading with the Celtics, giving up what they gave up. They traded a first-round pick and a future first-round pick to Boston to go up and get Markel Fultz. You know, as of right now, as of this moment, I think, you know, once again, that's a deal that we pretty much didn't get anything back in return. We got a guy right now who everyone's completely unsure about. You know, again, he finished the year very, he had some strong moments. You know, he had a triple-double, one of the last regular season games. Couldn't get on the floor in the playoffs for whatever reason. Whether it was his part to do with him, part to do with Brett Brown coaching, whatever else it may be, our rookie that we drafted wasn't on the court in the playoffs. And he wasn't on the court for majority of the season. And the kid in Boston is a bona fide superstar. And we could have had him on our team. But Brian Colangelo decided to give up our first round pick and a future first round pick. Because he was so confident that Markel Fultz was going to be better. And again, there's plenty of time for that to maybe be true. But as of right now, that's another move that looks like we lost. All right, then you look at the signings they had. He signed Amir Johnson, J.J. Redick. We needed veteran leadership on this team. So he went out, he did the right thing. He got two guys, two of the best veterans that were available. 
You know, Amir Johnson is a great defensive player in certain areas. Sometimes, you know, he's he knows how to play in the NBA. He knows how to play the big man spot. He's had a successful career. Um, J.J. Reddick came here. He had one of his best, probably his best season that he's had in the NBA at 33 years old, you know, but he paid him $23 million for one year. Whatever the price tag is, you know, that's the going rate. And the NBA, you know, fine. I think that was a little much, but we needed him. Going forward, you know, then December 7th, 2017, Sixers trade Jalil Okafor. Now, I'm going to be short and sweet with how I feel about Jalil Okafor. <laughs> Complete waste of talent as of right now. This kid was one of the best offensive players I've ever seen as a big man down on the block. They don't even make him that way anymore in today's NBA. The low post game that that kid possessed, he averaged 20 points as a rookie here. And he could have been a superstar. And I guess in so many ways he still could be. But he does not play defense. He has no effort, no energy, no will to be a defender in this league. So, honestly, who who knows what he's going to turn out to be. But, again, he's got good potential. They traded, they traded Jalil Okafor to the Brooklyn Nets with Nick Stauskas and a 2018 second-round pick to the Brooklyn Nets for Trevor Booker. Trevor Booker was here for three days, it felt like, and then he was gone. So that whole situation with Jalil Okafor and Brian Colangelo was completely ruined. He showed his hand so early in the Okafor saga that everybody in the entire NBA knew that we we had we we were going to get rid of Okafor no matter what but his value diminished over and over and over because Brian went out of his way to let the whole world know that we were shopping him and we were going to move him no matter what and then before you know it there weren't any offers so you get to the point where you have to trade the kid because he's sitting the bench it's creating chaos whatever else and you, essentially, this is what happened, okay? They gave the Brooklyn Nets Jalil Okafor and a second-round pick just to get him out of Philadelphia. Because Trevor Booker didn't count in that equation. He came here, he played for a couple months, and he was gone. So you gave away Okafor, who, as I said personally, I don't think he's got much of an NBA career if he doesn't figure out how to play defense. He didn't even get on the court in Brooklyn when they traded him. But if he does turn around and play to his potential, he's a, he's going to be a solid pro. And you give him away, and you give Brooklyn a second-round pick just to take him off your hands. I mean, that's a that's one of the worst deals I think I've probably seen. Um, then they go and they get Marco Bellinelli and Irsan Eliasova after the trade deadline. They don't make a trade. They wait and they sign these guys after they were bought out. And they were great pieces. Two of the biggest reasons we were able to make a playoff run and actually make a little bit of noise in the playoffs. But 
you know, with all those moves I just listed, let's be honest, Brian Colangelo's track record is not very good. So this offseason is key in what he's going to be with this team moving forward. If, if they don't do anything major, if they don't go out and get a superstar, if they don't trade for one, if they don't sign LeBron James or Paul George, I think it is realistic to say and think what the future holds with this team, with him being at the helm. Um, so part of that, obviously, is who's going to be available? Well, as of right now, the two marquee names are Paul George and LeBron James because all signs point to LeBron leaving Cleveland, regardless of what their outcome of their season is, he's going to leave and become a free agent. So those are your top two guys. You have to do whatever it takes. I don't care what it takes to land one of those two. Obviously, obviously everybody wants LeBron James. And I would be willing to give away pretty much whatever it, whatever it would take in order to get him in Philadelphia. So that brings me to my second part of what I wanted to discuss, discuss this afternoon. And that is, can the Sixers sign LeBron James? I'm going to give you a scenario where they can sign him using cap space. Um, I went over all the numbers, everything else, and this is just one way that I know could work for them to go out and sign him. All right. And the easiest way for that to happen would be he opts out of his current contract and then the Sixers sign him. And with that being said, the first thing you need to know is that the projected cap space for the 2018-2019 season is $101 million. All right, so in order to offer a maximum contract, you have to pay 35% of that $101 million. So that would equal out to be $35.35 million. All right, as of right now, the 76ers have $70.6 million tied up in contracts. All right, and I'll run the names by you real quick. This scenario includes them picking up Rashawn Holmes' team option, which I think, you know, all signs point that they will. It's a $1.6 million contract. Um, that's pretty cheap for a guy like him who, you know, he's shown some flashes. He's got some potential. So I think it goes without saying that he'll be back. Um, so on the books, we got Joel Embiid, Robert Covington, Jared Bayless, Markel Fultz, Ben Simmons, Dario Saric, Justin Anderson, Rashawn Holmes, if they pick up his option, TJ McConnell, Furkan Korkmaz, and Timothy Luau Cavarro. And all of those guys, as a total, like I said, bring the Sixers payroll to $70.6 million. So we are $31 million short of acquiring LeBron James. In order to make up that money. All right. One of the things that we would have to do would be let go, renounce all the rights, all cap holds to JJ Redick, Amir Johnson, Irsan Ilyasova, and Marco Bellinelli. If they do that and they trade or waive Jared Bayless, 
Those two things combined would give them enough money to go out and offer LeBron James the maximum, $35.35 million. All right, I think they would offer him a two-year deal. Um, second year being a player option, that's basically what I think a lot of the NBA's contracts are nowadays. You know, you don't see guys signing long-term outrageous deals anymore. They're all short-term deals. Guys like to figure out what they're doing. They don't like to commit somewhere long-term. You know, superstars move left and right in today's NBA. So I think he would sign a two-year deal, player option for the second year, and they could get him for $35.35 million if they let go of Redick, Johnson, Ilyasova, Bellinelli, and trade Jared Bayless. Because Jared Bayless makes $8.5 million. Another great move, Brian, by the way. Giving that guy that kind of money. But anyway, here's a look at what their roster would be like if they signed LeBron James. They'd have LeBron, Joel Embiid, Robert Covington, Markel Fultz, Ben Simmons, Dario Saric, Justin Anderson, Rashawn Holmes, TJ McConnell, Furkan, Korkmaz and Timothy Luau Cavarro with either four veteran minimum contracts, which is 500,000, a little bit over 500,000. You could have four vet minimum contracts or, and it's important to know this in this equation, or you could have two rookie contracts. All right. The Sixers have the 10th and the 26th pick. And if they pick two players that would play on this team next year, that would be a total of $4.75 million based on the rookie scale. And if all those things combined would put the 76ers at $102 million. All right, that's a million dollars over the projected salary cap, but... Josh Harris has gone out of his way to say he would not mind paying a luxury tax in order to get great players here. That's going to help us win a championship. So a million dollars over isn't bad. All right. But again, in order for that to happen, that's just one scenario that they can go out and sign LeBron James. You have to trade Bayless. You have to let go of Redick, Johnson, Ilyasova, and Bellinelli. Um... But also the draft picks are a big part of that, you know, because we have six draft picks total. We have the 10 and 26 in the first round. Again, if they use those and those guys play for the Sixers next season, that's $4.75 million guaranteed to those two guys. Um, the second round picks, you have four of them. Those players are either going to have to be draft and stash players, which basically means the Sixers own the rights to these guys, but they play overseas for a year or two until they come over and they can afford to pay them. But you're not obligated financially at all when you draft a player. You, you basically just get his rights to his contract whenever you decide to make one or if someone else wants to make one. You own the rights to that player. But they don't... They don't cost you financially against your cap. So all four of those picks would have to be draft and stash players, or they'd have to be included with the trade for Jared Bayless. And then that would give you everything I just laid out for you. That would give you 11 players. 
LeBron, Embiid, Covington, Fultz, Simmons, Sarge, Anderson, Holmes, McConnell, Korkmaz, TLC. And that would give you about $6 million to find a couple more players to fill the roster. And again, you could either spend $500,000 is the veteran minimum. So you could get four vet minimum contracts or you could take your first two picks, 10 and 26, put them on the roster, and that would come up with the just about $5 million. And again, that puts you at a total of $102 million. I know it's confusing. It blows your mind. You know, trust me, I went and broke it down. All the numbers, everything that each player makes. But that is one realistic way that the 76ers could sign LeBron James. So there's one option for you, Brian. I just did one for you. Um, If that doesn't work, if they can't get LeBron, if he decides to go to L.A., if he decides to stay in Cleveland, whatever else the case may be, you have to go out and get Paul George. You have to call San Antonio and say, I know you're going to offer Kawhi a max deal in order to mend the fences between you guys, but we're willing to give you X, Y, Z to get him. And to be quite honest, I've mulled this over a few times in my head. I'm content with that roster I just listed to you guys if LeBron's on it. You know, because whatever vets you add or whatever two rookie pieces you add, that's enough to compete for an NBA title. You add LeBron James to this team, I think you're probably the... I think you might be the second or third favorite to win the title next year. All right. I don't know what the notable free agents are the following year. I know that Kawhi could be one. I know that Klay Thompson could be one. But Klay Thompson has gone out of his way to say he's willing to take more than $50 million less to stay in Golden State. Again, Kawhi... San Antonio, that situation is looking more and more like they're going to come to some kind of an agreement. And if they don't, Popovich and the organization are going to ride out next year. And they'll trade him at the deadline or whatever they can if they think he's not going to stay with them after next season. So this year is the year you have to make a move while there's still guys out there, Brian. You have to do it. And you can't gut this team. And you can't trade guys away and give away picks to let people walk. Like I mentioned with some of the trades earlier he's made, you have to go out and be aggressive. You know, because other than Boston, right now in the East, it's wide open. All right, but Boston just played a seven-game series with the Cleveland Cavaliers in the Eastern Conference Finals without their two best players. Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward didn't see the floor, and they still made it that far. All right, so if they're 1A and we're 1B, in order to compete with them next year, we have to have a superstar because they're getting two superstars back. I think it's make or break this offseason for Brian Colangelo. The rest of the process is in your hands. Um, hopefully... All goes well. I would love to see LeBron here. I would love to see Paul George here. Any one of them. But we have to have one. If we don't, 
It's going to be a tough year again. We'll probably make it to the playoffs, get in, win a round or two, and then we'll be right back at home. And unfortunately, that's what Brian Colangelo's track record has been in the NBA, and I'm hoping that this year that changes. So that's it, guys. I hope you enjoyed the first episode of Philly's Finest Podcast. And... Let us know on Twitter, uh, whatever you guys would like to hear. We'll run a poll for the next episode, and thanks for being with me.